0: Wrestling fans, how you doing? You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. You're listening to Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews, bringing you the front-to-end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. And as we listen to the dulcet tones of Look Sharp, Boston's own Rock Blast, it has been a blockbuster week for the WWE. Major titles have changed hands and the entire landscape of the WWE universe has been shaken to its core. But before we dive into all the triumph and turmoil we saw go down this week, we will be joined just in a few minutes on the WrestleRant Radio hotline. By none other than the mad dog of wrestling analysis, we will be welcoming to the show mad dog, Tim Michaels. Now, beyond all of the title changes and power struggles that we've seen this week in the WWE, Graham, uh, just what is your sense of what is brewing and what is building as we head towards WrestleMania? To me
1: right now, the winds of change are blowing. The winds of change are in the air right now in the WWE, from a new WWE champion on Sunday night at the Elimination Chamber event to a new SmackDown Women's Champion crowned, In addition to Bailey winning the Raw Women's Championship and the main event of Monday Night Raw this past week, Uh, Just a very newsworthy week from start to finish, NXT 205 Live, Elimination Chamber, Monday Night Raw, the passing of Chavo Guerrero Sr. on Sunday night. Just so much stuff going on right now in the WWE. We are still two months out from WrestleMania. And as we've seen in the past, anything can change from now to Mania. Titles can change hands. New feuds can start up, as we saw on Monday and Tuesday night, respectively, even at Elimination Chamber on Sunday. Uh, Just so much stuff to look forward to right now from the Women's Championship, uh, the Women's Championship Division, developing on both Raw and SmackDown. Bray Wyatt running rampant on SmackDown as the new WWE Champion. A new Battle Royal will determine uh, determine a new number one contender on Tuesday. Just a lot of stuff to look forward to and a lot of stuff to discuss in the weeks ahead here on uh, WrestleRant Radio.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the road to WrestleMania every year has been... uh, uh always full and jam-packed with matches. But now with the brand split uh, and this whole new approach to the amount of events that we're seeing uh, in the WWE month-to-month between Raw and SmackDown Live, NXT takeovers happening periodically around the bigger shows uh, and going into Fastlane and coming out of Elimination Chamber, there's just so much going on right now. And I think one of the best things uh, that happened at Elimination Chamber was that we saw uh, not only uh, a new world he- world champion, world WWE world champion, but we see a brand new women's champion, Naomi. Uh, this was a huge mo- m- moment for me uh, being a Naomi fan since her days as a Funkadactyl and seeing her progression as one of the most fiercely competitive women wrestlers, and just wrestlers in general, one of the most high-flying uh, and devastating movesets, almost a strong-style style moveset coming from Naomi. Uh, in a nutshell, Graham, I-, I thought that her match against Alexa Bliss was a total throwdown uh, and a line drawn for Naomi as a competitor. Uh, what, did you, what did you take away from, from a, a big title change from Alexa Bliss to Naomi, her first win as a champion? Of all three
1: women's matches on Sunday, from Mickey James and Becky Lynch, Natalia and Nikki Bella, to now the women's championship between Naomi and Alexa Bliss, a very, very good match. I know they had some rough matches late last year around No Mercy Time, but this was easily their best outing to date. From the uh from these two. But yeah, just a really, really good match. I said right here in the show last week, I thought there was little to no chance that Naomi would win the championship. Never have I been happier to have been wrong, just because I think Naomi has well deserved that moment as the new champion, as we've said time and time again here on the show.
0: Now that was a championship match that did change hands, and there's gonna be a lot more discussion of what Naomi's role and potential injury is going to factor into her road to WrestleMania. And I certainly hope that she is facing off against Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania. It will would prove to be a worthy competition to whatever the Raw division of women's roster has in store because Naomi can bring that level of competition to steal the show and have a completely stellar match at WrestleMania. So coming in as champion would be a highlight of her career, and as a fan of Naomi, it would be a highlight as a fan to see her ascend to that level at the biggest show, the show of shows, WrestleMania this year. Uh, Another uh, uh, group of uh, titles that did not change hands, that were firmly set and uh, well-deserved in a tag team turmoil match that we saw at Elimination Chamber. American Alpha were able to retain their tag team championships uh, in a very uh, uh, tumultuous match, if you will. Um, But this does raise a lot of questions. American Alpha was certainly favored going into all of this. And I think that tag teams in general are are kind of being grouped and clustered together. And we have a lot of thoughts about that. So uh, we're going to be calling right now on the WrestleRant Radio hotline. We are going to be calling in with the Mad Dog, Tim Michaels. We're going to get him on the line, talk about some tag team turmoil and i do mean turmoil within the wwe so let's see what tim has to say hello mad dog michaels welcome to the show you are on wrestle rant radio with tommy sharp and graham gsm matthews welcome thank you thank you excellent can you hear us all right
2: yeah how about me
0: Excellent. You sound crystal clear. So we are going through and discussing some things coming out of Elimination Chamber, but more specifically, we're discussing the tag team turmoil. And we don't just mean the tag team turmoil match that American Alpha won this past Sunday at at Elimination Chamber. What we're talking about is tag team turmoil, systemic turmoil of the tag team division within the WWE. Now, I know we all have separate thoughts we bring to the table, so why don't we just start uh, uh, with some opening statements. And go around Tim uh, Care to lead us off With just some of your General thoughts uh, Macro thoughts On where the tag team Entity As a division Of itself Within the WWE Style of wrestling Is it healthy Where, 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 where do you see This landing right now In the landscape Of everything going on uh,
2: Aside from, from uh, 205 Live I think the tag team Division might be In the most need Of uh, assistance In the WWE we would uh, I think the uh yeah, sorry
0: No no we, we we absolutely agree I think on that point for sure.
2: Yes, uh the the thank you division division is very strange in the WWE. We have these these periods where it's uh you know probably the best thing and the best reason to watch Raw Smackdown, but right now it just seems like there's a lot of teams but uh not a lot of reason for them to be on TV, not a lot of reason for them to be uh, in matches against each other. And, uh, it doesn't seem like, uh, WWE even really cares that much.
0: Right. See, it feels like they uh, are trying their best to make as much screen time for their tag teams uh, to get them out into matches. And I'm sure they are a major part of the live shows and the touring shows and dark matches and pre matches and things like that. But what we are seeing, as you alluded to, is that they're grouping a lot of these things together uh, pretty closely. Uh, In your opinion, before we dive into uh, uh, kind of what the modern landscape is, what was a time that you might recall where tag teams were uh, flourishing and thriving in the WWE? Well,
2: definitely, uh, I mean, one one of the reasons why I'm so confused is that I feel like in the 80s, the tag teams were a big and prominent part of WWE. They may have not been uh, more than anything in the midcard, but, you know, every team was very memorable. So very intentional and very put together, like the British Bulldogs or even the Bushwhackers. And um, I was trying to think of the last time it's been in that state, and uh, I feel like it was maybe tail end of the Attitude Era when you had Edge and Christian, and uh, the world's greatest tag team, and things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Graham, uh, for, where do you see the modern side of all of this? What, you know, in the last, say, even five to ten years, has do you, Have you seen a decline in focus in making the tag team at, uh, titles, even, as prestigious as they want to make the Intercontinental title?
1: Well, I feel with every division in this company, whether it be the mid-card scene, the tag team scene, women's scene, it feels like we have the ups and downs. Um, but more prominently with the tag team division in the past five to 10 years, as you said, Tommy, just in regards to like, I remember a time for not, I'm not talking about like years on end, but when Cody Rhodes and Goldust captured the tag team titles late 2013, it seemed like we had an abundance of tag teams. The tag team titles were constantly on the line. Every single week, some great matches, great stories. Who could forget the amazing angle between the Shield and the and the Rhodes brothers and the, and the Rhodes family in late 2013? And even in the recent years, the New Day have done some great things for the tag team division. And it's not a matter of the brand split being the issue. It's just, as you said, a real lack of focus for these tag teams. So, again, we've had these ups and downs before. We've had tag team elimination chamber matches. We've had tag team ladder matches in recent years but they really lack that consistent string of focus for the division on Raw and SmackDown.
0: It it feels very much that the tag teams in general have become somewhat of a gimmick within wrestling in general. They're the sideshow, they are the uh, kind of rodeo entertainment element of the live show and on television now, um, almost uh, always ending in uh, some type of contrived and over-calculated set of spots or series of of moments that conclude that match. And I, I believe that those are supposed to be the story anchors, if you will, Uh, But they're certainly not clear. They're not spending enough time backstage with these groups and even, uh, you know, prominent groups like Gallows and Anderson, the new day people that have very strong microphone skills. I think they're losing us by only focusing on that element of them. And you brought up the shield, Tim, you brought up uh, some uh, of the attitude era and 80s era uh, wrestling teams and what was uh, unifying about those teams is that they had a name. They had an image and a design. Uh, uh, Since the Attitude Era up and until now, we've seen a lot of teams that are very similar to Sheamus and Cesaro. Two singles superstars that have, you know, uh, kind of uh, reached a point in, in their singles career where they need a fresh coat of paint and they throw these two people together, create some turmoil, create a tag team, and then eventually those split off. No real cohesiveness no real blending of music necessarily you're seeing a little bit of that more now on the Sheamus and Cesaro side but it's still very separate and and divided Tim in your opinion uh, what is uh, a team right now that really has it all together and has some of these elements that could inspire a new generation uh, or a new approach to tag team wrestling
2: and I think at this point it might be American alpha, but, uh, you know, they just don't seem to be putting in a winnable position. Um, I know that, uh, they're definitely suffering from the NXT effect where, uh, you know, WWE just seems to just throw these guys out there as if a casual audience is also a network subscriber, but I, I really just don't think that is the case. I think, uh, people who are watching NXT and people who are subscribers of the network are the more hardcore fans. So, you know, you see guys like Samoa Joe or you see American Alpha. Uh, it seems like they're expecting this big uh, arrival kind of uh, uh, reaction from the crowd. But, you know, like a lot of the people I think really just don't know who these guys are, so they don't know why they should care about them. And then they're not being put into any angles to to get them over in that way, to get them... You know. Like the case of American Alpha to get them behind them. Absolutely. But no, so I think that as far as tag teams go, that they are, you know, they are a true tag team. They're they have a name, they have uh, matching types, you know, they they're not uh, two singles wrestlers just slapped together. So in theory there you'd think they would be there the guys you want to get behind.
0: Yeah, and, and similarly, I feel like the revival very much are the, the the Yang to their Yin. You know, I think they they are a equal um, representation of all of those qualities that you just put out. So you, and and again, this is, is coming from the NXT uh, development system there. So Graham, given those examples. What, what is an example of a team that is uh, still kind of around maybe a legacy team that is uh, attempting to do some new things but not really capturing that same type of audience that, that the tag team really deserves?
1: Well, I'm glad you bring this up just because it's very timely. I wrote an article just yesterday for Hidden Remote about this, why Brizongo is the most underutilized tag team, not only in the tag team division or on SmackDown. I'm talking the most underutilized act in the entire company right now. Again, a bit of a bold statement. And again, this is an example of what you just talked about, Tommy, as well as you, Tim, in, in that there are two singles guys paired together really out of randomness for golden truth for a team for them to be. But they made the most of their chemistry, and, and you watch—I know we do. Again, maybe not the casual audience. There's segments on WWE.com, the YouTube channel, where they have these entertaining segments where they're questioning people backstage and their fashion, police tickets, and whatever else. And it's so incredibly entertaining. And you also, see, I know Tyler Breeze went on a Twitter rant the other day of posting matches of his from NXT that were so amazingly great. And you don't really see that on the main roster. Um, I know they had an amazing match with American Elf about a year ago in the Tag Team Championship Tournament on SmackDown, and you haven't seen that same side of Brazongo since. They just need an opportunity. They need a chance, and they're really starting to kind of find their legs uh, in in terms of their act. And they just need that platform to shine on SmackDown, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. No, it's such a great point that... Uh, that is an example of two former singles competitors coming together and literally throwing out everything they knew about each other. And it didn't start that way. They started off with totally separate individual outfits, two different types of music, and it. they have slowly but surely... Uh, uh, just shed all of that anxiety of going for all here. And Brizongo truly is one of the best tag team performers. Put them right next to the New Day for how entertaining they can be. Just they do not get the time. So my last question in this discussion here, Tim, um, we've talked about uh, where we've been in in tag teams since the 80s. We've talked about uh, some of the best teams that we have today, what makes a good team but we still don't really have any kind of clear commitment in any way or another from WWE that this is going to change. What would you change to start like right now at making a better division for the tag team, uh, in WWE?
2: I mean, I think the biggest thing is they need to, uh, have one of those, um, 732 writers that they have on staff start writing some storylines for these (laughs) tag teams.
1: Those monkeys, uh,
2: (laughs) I mean, I I just, I, you know, like you're, like you're excellently pointing out with Brizango, you know, like these guys are doing the best with what they've been given and they're not being given anything. Um, I I would assume that 99% of what Brizango has been doing is on, you know, being created by Fondango and Tyler Breeze. So it'd be really encouraging to see some storylines other than, well, we've got all these tag teams, I guess we'll just put them in one big match on the pay-per-view, even though we have three hours to fill and two hours to fill each week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Graham, what, what are your thoughts? Piggybacking off of some of that, uh, in addition to storylines, what else would make for a positive change for the WWE and tag teams.
1: Well, kind of picking off that point as well, I feel they had the same issue with the women's division for so many years. Battle Royals, bras and panties match. Let's put them all in one match. And how did where did that get the division? Nowhere. No one cared. Um and I feel like they're kind of doing that with the tag teams right now. Tag team turmoil, battle royals. It's like you can't focus on one tag team when all the tag teams are out there at one time. And it's not a matter of more tag teams. We have what, six or seven teams on SmackDown? They just need more character development. That's really what it comes back to, in my opinion. We have The Ascension, Brazango, Villains, Heath Slater and Rhino. whatever happened to them. American Alpha, they're great athletes, but they don't get any time to talk or really establish who they are and what they're about. That's what we need more of on Raw and SmackDown. It's not a matter of, oh, the revival being called up is the answer to all their problems. It would help, but I feel like it really goes back to more stories and more focus on these individual tag teams.
0: Excellent points. I I have three points to make here. First is unifying tag teams under one new brand of music. I think uh, for the live audience, it creates an aura of excitement, it creates a fresh coat of paint without having to go too far. But if you're gonna put two people together, give them a new music, new colors, new presentation, they can still come out in their same old tire ring, tired ring attire. That's fine. But I think as a veneer, as, as a facade up front, they need that kind of unity. They can have separate names. It doesn't matter. But I think separating them from their singles career allows them to jump right back into a singles career. And that needs to be something that keeps tag teams healthy and fresh. You never know when two superstars are going to find that motivation or somebody gets injured and a replacement is needed. You want to be ready to roll with that, and I can't believe that they don't have a Rolodex of just songs that have been rejected, that they can't just shoehorn onto somebody else that would just at least pop the audience and say, oh, this is new and this seems like it's going to stick around for at least more than a week. You know, My second point um, is that if you look at what has happened to 205 Live and, and, and you take a look at, at Raw, and they have this cruiser. They have these cruiserweight division matches, and they loosely, you know, they talk about two hundred five as much as they can. But two hundred five is not on until Tuesday, so you have this kind of advertisement. You have what main event used to be this preview match and all this stuff. Does two hundred five live deserve its own network show? Absolutely. Do they need to be on RAW? Probably not. Maybe the tag team division needs something similar to that. Maybe it is more about. Um, having tag teams have their own show on the network really focus on having these matches i mean it can be daunting to watch tag team after tag team match but if there is a some type of tournament in place if there's some sort of stipulation that takes those matches and makes it meaningful to watch any of these network exclusives pay-per-views what have you it would really build and then the, the boys, the girls, don't have to worry about being featured on Raw heavily to get their stories in line. They have a whole platform. And I, do, I just don't understand why if 205 Live can tape after Raw, why a tag team group couldn't tape after SmackDown and still do the same thing. You'd be able to utilize even more of your singles roster on, on the main program and still capture that without having to come up with a whole new production team and who wouldn't want to stick around or come early to a show to watch, you know, tag teams compete for a reason, have a reason to, to, to be in these competitions. It's always for the belts. It's getting a chance at those belts. And maybe you have someone on top that has a little bit more authority and control to, you know, fake an injury to get out of a match and somebody else has to take their place. And the number one contender is still up in the air and those types of things. And that, that forms, the good and bad in, in your mentality for tag teams. So Tim, what do you think about the success or maybe inevitable failure? Um, uh, like we might be seeing with two Oh five live, um, for an idea where the tag teams would have their own show on the network.
2: Yes. I think that's the problem. I think that's why two Oh five is failing. I think, uh, cruisery matches are special attractions, just like, uh, Eric Bischoff had them on Monday Night Show. The reason those were so successful is they were this kickoff to the show. They were a special, you know, maybe two matches per show versus an entire show of that style. I don't I don't think the WWE crowd, the casual crowd, is um, deep into wrestling enough to to watch a full show of a specific type of wrestling, to be honest. I think that's the, the same issue with the tag teams. They're not really peppering them in throughout the show. They're more of an afterthought. Um, tag teams are the new divas. You know, like you guys were pointing out earlier, they're, they're clearly getting to the end of their call sheet and thinking, uh, what are we going to do with all these tag teams? I don't know. Let's just slap them in a match together. Um, and I love the point about music. Merging two songs together from singles wrestlers is not a new theme song. And there's a practice that WWE has done forever for, for quite a while that I'm not a fan of. You know, you'll take take two ring entrances and just jam them together. I think they even did that with Stardust and Goldust, which seemed just nonsensical.
0: Yeah, it was just a mash of uh, noise. Yep.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's emphasizing that idea of, oh, we don't really have a plan for these guys. This is an afterthought, and we don't think enough of them to give them unique music. You know, it just
0: shows that lack of uh, attention. Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's that lack of attention to detail. And I, my third point uh, that I wanted to make was uh, going back to that attire, right? So uh, Seamus and Cesaro clearly have different types of attire that they come out with yet they have become more color-coordinated. The New Day, certainly color-coordinated, but have different types of attire. Kofi has a different type of uh, outfit than Big E and so on. Um, you know, And then there are teams like American Alpha that have basically uniformed the same attire. I think color coordination and all of these little things that are uh, just about little attentions to detail – would tell even more of a story about tag teams and, make, and and immerse you more in that for those matches than you know uh, anything else. So maybe a, uh, a full-time show on the network that just featured tag teams would be too much, but short-run shows like the United Kingdom competition, uh, like all of the Dusty Rhodes tag team classics, which have been such a blast to watch knowing that these brackets and these stakes have real meanings. And what comes out of that? On NXT, when you do see a tag team, they're referencing the things that happened in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and why these two teams are now going at it at each other because you know the revival came out and interrupted somebody else's match and and those are the types of things that really build these stories. But unfortunately, that's still just a surface level story. There's still not a lot of reason other than the general competition of being champion. So I guess in the end, uh, having even just any more attention to these details would really put in a, uh, a new uh, look into the tag teams. And hopefully that would bring something else out. Uh, any, any closing thoughts, anything uh, uh, additionally you'd love to see out of the tag team division, Tim. I
2: uh, just, I, I hope that someday Vince McMahon will wake up and stop hating tag teams.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> plus, a plus.
2: My, my favorite Vince McMahon story is, uh, Zack Ryder and uh, shoot, what's the other, the other edgehead?
1: Oh, Kurt Hawkins, yeah.
2: Kurt Hawkins, both both of them had confirmed the story to be true. Apparently, when Vince McMahon found out when they were previously known as the Major Brothers that they were not actual brothers, Vince McMahon was furious and thought that that was them deceiving him, and that was the main reason why he broke up that tag team. <laughs>
0: Wow, I have not ever heard that one. It doesn't sound far off from other stories I have heard, so I'm gonna chalk that up to I've heard right. that
1: as well. Yeah, that
0: that that is that has some likely truth to it. Especially yeah. Zach Ryder's not known for one for spreading around things that aren't true. Yeah. Um, yeah. but wow, that is uh, that that is that says a lot about tag team wrestling, and and perhaps we will not see the day where uh, a, a tag team uh, wrestling is taken as seriously as it should be. Um, especially with Triple H being such a singles competitor and being more of that group mentality, uh, seeing the success of DX, the club, you know, uh, the Bullet Club, anything around the world. The, even look at Ring of Honor. Uh, my, my, my good friend Matt Taven is currently the six-man tag team champions of the world in Ring of Honor. But that that is such a new facet, and just goes to show that these three man teams and these groups and everything are, are now dominating uh, wrestling, and and perhaps that comes out of the NWO Bischoff era of uh, you know any of any of these people in this stable can be the tag team for the night, and kind of homogenizes everything. So excellent thoughts. Yeah, I hope, oh, go ahead. I hope
2: they get away from that. I hope they get away from the trios. That seems to be the the. They seem to favor that in, in WWE with the Wyatt family and the New Day. Um, but, you know, both of those groups seem to be, for whatever reason, slightly higher than all of the actual teams. And uh, one can only hope that the revival might be the change that uh, they so desperately need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The, rival, the revival... Absolutely feels like the saviors of the tag team idea in in professional w w e wrestling, so Tim, thank you so much for joining us today we're gonna uh definitely have you back on the show when you call the wrestle rant radio hotline. You can get that's a nine hundred number We'll give that out after uh after you're gone so tim eight hundred you're all marks what <laughs> <one>, yeah one eight <laughs> hundred. <laughs> Don't be a mark. 1-900 <laughs> top
2: guys. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> T- top marks, Tim. Take care. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Later, guys. Later. That was Tim Mad Dog Michaels calling in from all the way from Texas, giving us the lowdown, some of his thoughts. We're, we're happy to, to include some of these new voices on the show to round out some more of the thoughts and uh ideas that surround some of the major topics going on in wwe right now so we've talked a lot about tag teams let's get into what we have going on this week so many championships changing hands graham why don't you kick us off what what was your favorite championship that changed hands in the last week
1: Hard to say. I think my bias for Bailey has been pretty well documented. And as much as I enjoy the main event for Raw this week, Charlotte and Bailey, I gotta say, Bray Wyatt finally becoming WWE champion in the main event of Sunday's pay-per-view was my favorite moment of the week, hands down. Long time coming. I know for Bailey as well, but this is coming from a guy for Bray Wyatt, for a man who's been with this company for close to a decade now in various incarnations. NXT, WWE, the old NXT. And has only held the tag team titles on a brief occasion for two, three weeks uh, late last year. But other than that, this was his second only shot at the WWE title. And he won it, beating both AJ Styles and John Cena, the WWE's two top stars, in the same night. And again on SmackDown two days later in a tremendous triple threat match. So Bray Wyatt finally becoming champion on Sunday was my favorite moment and slash title change of the week from this past week.
0: Yeah, it, it had to be uh, one of the things that I could not have anticipated or expected to see uh, for free on uh, you know national television to see Bray Wyatt become the WWE champion. I mean, SmackDown has been known for weeks and for almost this entire year now that since the brand split, Uh, for putting on championship matches. It's something that, honestly, Raw has had to adopt and, and step up their game and have more championship matches, and we'll get to that in a minute. But seeing the dynamic between John Cena and AJ Styles take up so much of their competitive focus, it certainly left Bray Wyatt in a position to do what John Cena... Uh, has fallen to Bray Wyatt in the past, and Bray Wyatt has defeated uh, and eliminated John Cena from two other prior elimination chambers. So to, to think that Bray Wyatt couldn't have done this at any time during this match in particular, I think he had a very strong advantage. It was a, a, an atmosphere conducive to his particular talents, and uh, certainly AJ Styles was as formidable as a foe as anybody in that match, um, but I think Cena takes a lot of energy away from AJ. And Bray, being the thoughtful opportunist that he is, came away with such a victory that it w- it left you shocked. It left you kind of haunted to see Bray Wyatt with that just overly d- emphasized and almost disgusting grin on his face holding up the title and uh, and to be confronted by Randy Orton. Um, this past week, knowing that Randy Orton will not bow uh, to uh, any pressures and uh, will officially not be pursuing Bray Wyatt for his title match at WrestleMania, calling Bray Wyatt the master. Um, uh, it certainly pleased Bray Wyatt to a point of, uh, I don't know, concern that perhaps the Viper, Randy Orton, that the Viper we saw all the way to backlash last year. Uh, could still be laying low and waiting for his opportunity to get over and and get that title away from Bray Wyatt. but so far it seems like we're seeing even more of a committed uh, Wyatt family member in Randy Orton. but let's jump to the raw side of things. Uh, we we saw uh, and you had mentioned your longtime favorite your wrestling crush Bailey is now the new raw women's champion defeating Charlotte not in uh, a pay-per-view setting on a Monday night raw setting. Uh, But Bailey nonetheless came out of this match looking stronger than ever. I think that I had doubts going in, especially watching Sasha Banks go up against Charlotte. It looks like Charlotte made quick and easy work of Sasha Banks almost every time. And certainly she had enough matches with Sasha where Sasha was able to get some wins and victories out of her and some championship opportunities and titles out of that. But Charlotte continued to to blow past all realms of competition, Um, but she needed some help in this match, and she still lost, and Bayley needed a little help, and she came out the victor, but I don't think that she needed as much help as Charlotte did. Graham, what was your full breakdown of that match?
1: What's interesting is that Bailey later stated on Twitter that uh, it was brought up that Sasha Banks had come out to help her, obviously, but she was unaware of that. She did not ask Sasha to come down to the ring to help her win that championship. So I'm more interested to see not only the championship celebration itself of Bailey next week on Raw, but how she responds to the assistance of her best friend Sasha Banks. And Sasha Banks is her jealousy finally building in with you know within her that. Bailey could beat Charlotte when it mattered most, and, and Sasha Banks could not. That's what I'm interested to find out. The match itself was great. Charlotte remains undefeated on pay-per-view. You have to know she will be invoking her rematch clause. Come fastly in WrestleMania, what have you. But in the interim, though, I'm looking forward to seeing how this pans out with Sasha and Bailey, best friends dating back to NXT.
0: Absolutely. I mean, um I think that Bailey now has a fire in her heart. She understands that she's a target now, right? And as hard as her path was to get this belt and as much as it took out of her to get there she's healthy right now and she's able to defend herself and now it's going to be defense mode until she understands what type of offense she needs to have to retain this for a long Time so, hopefully it is uh, within her power to put her feet in cement and not let that belt out of her hands anytime soon because Bailey has the potential to bring a light and shine a light into the hearts of WWE fans that want to see a true, a true clear and free champion. Take the stride and and take out any newcomers that want to tarnish her light. I think that she has a positive light about her, unlike most any other superstar. Um, you know, probably shining even brighter than maybe Sammy Zayn's cheeks when he smiles. So, uh, I think uh, all all the credit to Bailey, to Naomi, and especially to to, to Bray Wyatt for for every ingenious. Maneuver that they pulled off to to attain these titles this week. Week It was incredible to watch across the board. Um, unfortunately, not everything can be so incredible. Um, and uh, there are as many highs as we saw this week. There was some uh, very big lows that we saw this week as the much anticipated festival of friendship between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Dismantled and disintegrated right before our eyes as Kevin Owens turned his back and put his fists and hands on the Lionheart Chris Jericho devastating loss um uh, mostly because uh I believe this is going to take some of that shine and some of the fun away from Chris Jericho w- w- what are your thoughts on on, on the disillusion of uh Jericheo?
1: Not only the fun from Jericho himself, but also taking away some of that fun that we've been accustomed to seeing on Raw for so many months now. Jericho was not an interim thing. They haven't been together for two, three weeks. These two have been best friends since the summer, since aligning to take out the team of Enzo and Cass. So now that they've finally broken up and gone their separate ways, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I, I could definitely hear my heart just shatter within a million, into a million pieces on Monday night when Jericho said, why is my name on this list? before being battered and bruised and beaten down by Kevin Owens. Just an incredible moment bringing back memories of This Is Your Life from 1999, just a stellar segment all the way around, from the return of Gilbert to that legitimately laugh-out-loud funny painting that Jericho presented Owens with. I thought it was just tremendous. And where this goes now, Owens, does he believe that he could beat Goldberg on his own without the help of Chris Jericho? Is this Triple H is doing because he talked to Kevin Owens before he went out there? a lot of different questions not many answers but i thought the segment itself was absolutely exceptional
0: yeah i mean it it, it is a one of the biggest stories uh, to come out of the, the brand splits. Uh, it is something that Chris Jericho continues to reinvent in himself, and it shined uh, up very positively and favorably on Kevin Owens, especially from all of the support from Hell in a Cell uh, all the way up through uh, Raw this past week. There's been nothing but an outpouring of support, and we've seen one other time where Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens kind of split, and they they've, they've gone and had their disagreements before. Does not bring out a very uh cheerful side of Chris Jericho I think he's lost kind of that stride when those things happen and uh, I think we're gonna see um kind of more of that focus that that lion heart inside of him come back out and be a little bit more vengeful, be a little bit more guarded um so I wouldn't expect to see too much, too much more come up or be talked about with regarding the list of Jericho. I think, I think it's now time to review that list and start going and prioritizing some of the people that need to be talked to on that list. And maybe that's what Chris Jericho puts his focus into going forward. Um, now, uh, uh, another uh, uh, big revelation, albeit a quick revelation this week on Monday Night Raw, was we were finally introduced to Emmelina. Uh, after Emma made uh, this uh, remarkable uh, photogenic evolution from the cold, hard, uh, uh, kind of uh, steel-boned look of Emma before she was injured uh, and she was paired up with Dana Brooke, which I thought was fantastic, um, to the uh, very soft uh, and uh, vivacious Emmalina, um, only to come out and basically say, there is no Emmalina. There is only Zul. I mean Emma. Um, <laughs> are we seeing the signs of a split personality here? Are we seeing the signs of uh, uh, an inter-character turmoil or, or conflict at war here? What do you, what do you what do you what was your take of such a short introduction after such a long and exhausted buildup?
1: I love the way you think, Tommy. Just because I feel you put way much more effort into the way that. You you think of characters like Emelina than this own company does. I I do not have any faith in them whatsoever. I feel like it was just more a matter of, okay, it might not be working, so let's go back to what did work. And if that's the case, then I have nothing to say. But in terms of what you're thinking, I think that would be an amazing idea if you could do a split personality And when was the last time we ever really saw something like that? And I think it's also timely, too, coming off the release of that movie Split, which has done exceptionally well in the box office. And, you know, they like to pick things apart from pop culture. I think it would be amazing. Um, But, no, I thought it was interesting. That that, that
0: would be my hope is that – you. You use these platforms, you use these these uh, would-be negative character traits to highlight real real uh, mental health problems that happen to real people you might know. This is not to, to pull and make fun of something. It, it is to create the idea that this lifestyle of being a wrestler, being on the road, having uh, to perform, entertain, it can really weigh on you mentally. To, to be able to go out there and get cheers, gain booze, you don't want to be. You don't want an indifferent reaction. So what does that do to the the person, the performer that has to go out there and achieve these results? On paper, you could be Emelina. On paper, you could be Emma. On, on one end, you could be a uh, a fashionista. On the other end, you could be a total badass.
1: Or what she used to be as well. Remember the fun loving
0: Emma or that we saw in NXT. There's the bubbles, you know, for, exact like forever Emma. Or the emolution. The evolution, Uh you know, so. Are all of these kind of personalities starting to conflict within Emma, and is that what we're seeing? Uh, it, it would be a very interesting path for that character to take and to become, uh, and to reintroduce herself to the women's division on Raw, uh, or, or even move over to SmackDown. However, that might shape up for her in the future. Um, certainly, is not what we expected to see, and I think anytime we 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 get something like that. It it goes over quite well. Um, Those were the main highlights from this week. Obviously, we had a number of uh, uh, feuds concluding, coming out of uh, Elimination Chamber on the SmackDown side. Um, uh, Baron Corbin uh, uh, savagely attacked Dean Ambrose, as the quote reads here on WWE.com. It was a savage beatdown. Dean Ambrose was uh, looking to uh, put a hurt On Baron Corbin, he was tearing up the backstage area. Uh, Daniel Bryan agreed to give Dean Ambrose something to do, and that was going to be uh, to use uh, James Ellsworth as a punching bag. We did not get to see that, unfortunately, as much as I would have loved to have seen Dean Ambrose uh, (laughs) uh, reshape James Ellsworth's chin. Same. Uh, We saw Baron Corbin drag Dean Ambrose out from the backstage area. Graham, what were your thoughts about seeing Ambrose come out, basically being held by the collar of his neck? We we don't normally see Dean Ambrose in a position like that.
1: I was expecting it to be the other way around. It was Dean Ambrose that was out for vengeance coming out of Elimination Chamber. He was the one who single-handedly eliminated Baron Corbin, and then Baron Corbin got his vengeance over Dean Ambrose. He gave Dean Ambrose his comeuppance in his mind by throwing him all around the chamber, throwing him into one of the pods, a sight that we've seen you know many times before in the past, leading to Ambrose's own elimination. Ambrose was out for vengeance. He was looking for Corbin backstage. Corbin, though, struck first, attacking Ambrose all over the backstage area, all over the uh, side of ringside. I thought it was great. So I think hopefully leading to that Intercontinental Championship clash, I hope we would see. I hope that we would see at WrestleMania in a couple months. It, It
0: feels like when Dean Ambrose has an annoyance, a nuisance in his life like Baron Corbin, that there's only one conclusion. Dean Ambrose will have his sights firmly set on Baron Corbin going forward. I don't think Corbin could care that much. Um, uh, I think he's definitely more interested in what Dean Ambrose has around his waist than who who he's he has to go and hurt. Um, but uh, that seems to be the primary motivation for uh, Baron Corbin to attack uh, Dean Ambrose so viciously. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as we move past Fastlane and move towards uh, WrestleMania. And now just to come full circle on uh, all of our discussions here today on Rant Radio. I'm going to talk about a trio of matches um, uh, that happened on Raw this week, uh, specifically uh, going back to our tag team discussion that I want to get some of your thoughts on here. Now, this is uh, something we didn't bring up with uh, uh, Tim when he was on the line here, but um, this week we saw Roman Reigns, as a singles competitor, defeat the Raw Tag Team Champions Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Okay. Not only that, but we saw the new day come out to confront Bo Dallas. And yes, this was a scheduled singles match for Kofi Kingston versus Bo Dallas, but it didn't really start out that way. Um, It felt like Bo was in the ring and he was surrounded and pretty much, you know, confronted by the new day. I didn't really see any provocation from Bo Dallas whatsoever to, to, to what Kofi and the new day came out to present to him. And then lastly, Cesaro, instead of both Cesaro and Sheamus, uh, uh, Cesaro took on Enzo Amore um, because they took great exception to the fact that they were not allowed to finish their match clean against Gallows and Anderson for the rematch for their titles that they lost. And uh, Enzo Amore um, kind of brazenly didn't care that that was the case. Are we seeing more tag teams have to be divided against uh, prominent um, singles competitors in order to get this division over? Or is this just another uh, example of the fact that tag teams are an afterthought?
1: I mean, is it a matter of filling time is my question, just because I cannot recall one time in NXT – where we've seen Dasher Dawson versus Ciampa or Gargano in singles competition. It's always been tag team matches. Same thing with the Authors of Pain, with TM61 for the most part. You don't see that in traditional tag team wrestling, where it's one guy versus the other. To me, it's just a lazy way of furthering the feud between two tandems. And uh, the, the the Cesaro and Enzo match was whatever. We The uh, Bo Dallas and Kofi Kingston match was was what it was, apparently about ice cream. The one, the match that really bothered me the most that I was going to bring up earlier but I forgot was Roman Reigns in the club just because you have one guy overcome the odds, beat them. I know via disqualification and not by pinfall, but the fact remains the same that he would have won the match had they not gotten themselves intentionally disqualified. And these are your tag team champions. They finally found momentum when they won the belts a couple of weeks ago at the Rumble. And now it's it's like one step forward, two steps back with these guys in terms of how they're handling the club and they're putting them in situations where they can't win. Um, I thought that would kind of set the tone for the rest of the show and how it would go. Thankfully, that was not the case. Raw this week, I give two thumbs up, but... It's just, it's one of those tired tropes in wrestling that they do every single week. Let's put the champions in a handicap match against one guy. And more often than not, the spotlight goes on that single superstar and not the tag team. That's what bothers me.
0: Absolutely. It's getting under our skin, ladies and gentlemen. We have tag team titles. We have main event titles and matches coming up. We're going to be talking about Fastlane in the coming weeks. We have a lot to discuss. We're going to be diving back into 205 Live and NXT reviews and recaps as we head towards WrestleMania. I can't wait. Graham, it's been a pleasure today. We will see you all next week as we continue our rant against wrestling. This has been Wrestling Rant, Wrestle rant Radio. We will see you next week.